Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? You know, Dave, we had a listener write in and ask us to talk about how we get employees to take accountability. Where do they want them to take it? (laughs) Think to the bank. (laughs) They just want to take it to work. Just take Take, it home. (laughs) Take accountability to work day. Actually, let's make it take accountability to work. Take accountability to work day. Yeah. You know, I, I usually I let my accountability stay at home. We could make buttons. I kind of like that. Yeah. Take accountability to work today. So the implication, of course, is that people are not taking accountability to work. Right. And my first question always is, do they understand the expectations? Yeah, I think that's an important first question. Uh, or it's an important question. I, I, we got to really start, I think, from... Whose perspective? Is this coming from the manager slash leader? And and I differentiate between the two, right? They're typically one person, but those are two different um, roles that that person would play. Or is this from a coworker? So how would accountability... Oh, I see. So you're saying, is this, I'm wishing that my coworker were taking responsibility versus I'm wishing my people that work for me were taking responsibility. Correct. Except for the word is accountability, which is different than often used synonymously with responsibility, but those are actually not the same thing. Dave and his linguistics training coming into play. Get your words right, people. All right. So accountability, I believe in this case, it was a leader asking us, how do I get my team to take accountability? But we could talk about both. We could. The first question I would ask that person then is where in your life are you not being accountable? What are they seeing? Right. You know, you can fight this. You can argue against this. I, I think it was Sha- was it Shaq who didn't like this, or um, you mean Shaquille think, O'Neal? Yeah, I can't remember if it was Shaquille O'Neal or if it was Charles Barkley. I think it was one of those two fought about the against the fact that he was a role model. Mm, well, maybe and you I, don't want to be. <laughs> right, didn't want to be a role model. I'm just a basketball player. Okay. But because of his prevalence in, you know, uh, you know, he actually was a role model. As leaders, irrespective of what our desires are, if we have people report to us, we are role models. Yep. Whether we like it or not. Right. And so our teams literally are a reflection on us. And I don't mean they do good, we look good, they do bad, we look bad. Yes, that's true. I mean, what they do is what we do. Mm-hmm. They are looking to us. How can I respond to this? How should I respond? How do we respond at this organization? Because ultimately, you're in a position of authority. And if the respect is there and the trust is there that we want to be there, they're looking to you. Yeah. So if if I'm a leader and I'm going thinking to myself, you know, I'm doing everything right. I'm showing up. I'm taking the trash out. If I have to take the trash out, I'm making sure everything gets done. But I'm backfilling my team because they're not. How do I get them to be more accountable? 
let's take a real hard look at are you really being accountable for yourself? Now, how might that particular situation that you just outlined play out where they weren't taking response, accountability for themselves? Great, great question. So it could be in a lot of different areas, but to me, the most obvious one when I hear that scenario, and it, it's, it's obvious to me, but I don't think it's obvious to, to many people, is I'm doing everybody else's job, but what's my job as the quote leader? Mm. What is my job? To make the rest of your team's jobs possible and likely and easier. Right. And make sure they do them. Make sure they do it. Yeah, right. So if I'm doing them, what am I not doing? Your own job. Right. And holding right. them accountable. Right. My job is to hold them accountable. And I'm failing to do that. Well, if I'm not doing my job, why the heck should they do theirs? Plus, you're doing their job. So why should they do it too? Right. That's exactly right. Why do I have to? You'll do it for me. You're, you're, let, you're not doing your job, so you got plenty of time to do my job. Yeah. Really look at how, what are the, and it goes back to what are the expectations? You know, our job is- communicating in that? Our job as leaders are to set people up for success. Right. right. And if I'm doing their job for them, I'm not setting them. I might be setting the company up for a limited amount of success, right? In the sense that, okay, we're not going to fall backwards, but we're really not setting up for future success because one person, I can only do so much. Right. Right. And again, if you're picking up all those pieces and not having those sometimes uncomfortable conversations, they're not just going to snap too. As humans, all of us are going to take the easiest road possible. And so if nobody says anything to me, I'm not going to do that because it's more work. And imagine for a second, you are one of those people who is the hard charger. You know, hey, no one's going to do my job. I'm going to do my job for me. And you're in this culture, this environment where nobody else is working as hard as you are, but maybe the manager Okay. Now I'll say manager because they're not being a leader at this point. Right. We manage processes. We lead people at this point. You're managing the process. You're making sure the process flows. Even if you have to step in and do it yourself. And now that team member who also is a hard charger is going, geez, nobody else is working. Why am I breaking my back here? And they do one of two things. They either take, put their hand on the throttle, pull it all the way back to the idle stops, or maybe not all the way back. But just pull it back from their full throttle because they're still going to look better than everybody else and not work as hard. And they're not getting the the uh, recognition. Recognition. Thank you for working that hard. Right. So why should they? Or they're going to, or and, right. And, and Ann just gave the, you're out of here symbol, you know, yeah. three strikes you're out, but it's not three strikes. They're going to start looking for someplace where they will be recognized because that's right. what they crave. Right. And yeah, and exactly, not only that recognition, but the the value of the hard work and a team who's going to work hard with them. Right. They want to be part of a team. They want to be in a culture and environment that rewards that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, how, do you, how do you make your team accountable? Start by being accountable for yourself, which means knowing what your job is. This is, you know, day one of Accountability Academy it's all about this. It's all about yourself. It's all about you, what your values are, what your purpose is, where you're, where you, where you can strengthen yourself, where you can improve, right? What you do well and 
areas of opportunities of growth because it starts with us. Right. And and that's where also the question not only is what am I doing, but am I making it clear what I expect of my team? So often I hear leaders and managers more accurately complaining about what their teams aren't doing, but they're complaining to me. They're not talking to their team. So if they're not willing to have those conversations, I remember when I was little, I feel like my mom was constantly saying, stand up straight, stand up straight, get your elbows off the table, get your elbows off the table. Poor woman was on repeat on those things. But sometimes we have to have the conversations more than once in order to get the results that we're looking for. Look, it's a trite saying in business, but people respect what you inspect, right? Look at you with the big phrases, respect what you inspect. Yes, if they know you're watching, they're going to be a whole lot more attentive to what they're supposed to be doing. That's exactly right. I, when I was at the moving company, I created a, we, we created a script on how to answer the phone. All phone calls went through our, our, our um, move coordinators, which are inside sales. And then so most of the calls were for them. And the ones that weren't, they would act as receptionists and, and direct them appropriately because we wanted a live answer. And we developed a script that worked for every single phone call. You know, it was designed in such a way, that at least the beginning, because we wanted to create that rapport and that sort of sense of, you know, connection with the caller, even if it was a vendor, because business is about people. And, and so we wanted that deep relationship and connection. We trained on it. We told them how to do it. They practice it. Everybody did it. Okay, today, everyone starts from now on. This is how we're answering the phone. A week goes by. People aren't doing it. I had to, and I had to do this until the company got sold and I left. Once a week, and it was more often in the beginning, but once a week, I would randomly pick one person on a phone call that they didn't know this, but in my mind, it had to be at least five minutes in length because then I knew it was probably a customer call, not not a quick, you know, quickie something. And that better have been the script. Because, and, and it, when I first time I did, oh, I always do it. That was the one call. BS. Right. Odds of me finding that one call are like infinitesimally small, right? And besides, the policy was every time. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take long. Because we would have those uncomfortable conversations pretty soon. It was hard for me to find an example when they didn't follow the script. Nice. And that gives you a great opportunity also to recognize, hey, y'all, you're doing it. Thank you. Yeah. And oh, by the way, we, we increased sales by one average addition, one additional sale a day. And I'm that. sure you let them know that too. We absolutely their efforts we, were working. Yep. We celebrated that. Yep. Right? But we, 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 we developed a script. We trained them how to do it. We practiced how to do it, right? We didn't just say, here's the script, memorize this, start doing this today, mm-hmm. right? And then we inspected and that inspection never stopped. Right. Because it's easier to go back to the old way. It's easier to go back to the way you've always done it. And if we, you know, if we aren't holding people accountable, and again, it starts with you, if we're not following up, if we're not having the conversation, it's a whole lot easier to just go back to what we were doing. Well, back to what I said, my job was to make sure they did their job. If I wasn't making sure they were doing their job, then I wasn't doing mine. Why should they do theirs? Yeah. 
And, and, and it's, you know, some people may be saying, oh, well, you're, you're micromanaging, you're checking up on them. No, give me the opportunity to reward you for this, to, to have that positive conversation of you're doing it. Look at the sales numbers. It's making a difference. So a couple of points to that one, that's not micromanagement. Micromanagement is when I say phone's ringing, pick it up, hold it to your right ear. Here's the words I want you to say. That's micromanage every single time when you just become a robot. Management is ensuring that the process is being followed. Okay. And there's a difference between the two. So that's not micromanaging. That's leading and managing. And following up on the things that are important. And this is why you also need to understand what is important within your business. What are you wanting them to take accountability for and why? Because part of what you probably did in the training with that sales script or that that phone script was telling them why we're doing it this way. Right. Well, again, I didn't just come out and say, here's the new script. This was something we worked on and developed together. And then the reality is, 90% of it was mine because they didn't have the background to understand how to create a script to create the effects we were looking for. That's fine. They were part of the process. Right. And by having them part of the process in the future, I would be able to have them do something on their own without as much, you know, in a similar vein. Right. And and, and that happened as we developed more and more things. And what you're doing there is you're teaching them how to think. And you're giving them some ownership in the situation by help, by working with them to create this thing. Now I care about it working because I was part of its creation. Right. And you're going to get that adoption a whole lot better too. Hidden in this story is a lot of other points about how you develop accountability in your team. Again, it starts with you doing your job. The second piece in here, of course, is that we train people formally on the procedures we wanted them to follow. Right. So I, I, we said, I said earlier, you used responsibility. I said, nope, that's something different, right? And you're like, Mr. Wardsmith. Here's the difference, and this is important, right? Responsibility is our ability to respond. So that's time sensitive. Right? So customer calls and says, you know, my movers are late. If I go, okay, let me look into it. I'll call you back. Then I do 10 other things and an hour later, I check what, right? I'm being irresponsible. I'm not responding quickly. Okay. So accountability is our ability to account or to follow procedures. Accounting is a procedure, right? So being accountable means we're doing things in the correct procedure. Being responsible means we're doing it in a timely fashion. Okay. We want people to be accountable. We got to teach them the procedures. You don't do that informally, meaning you don't say, follow me around. I'll show you how I do it because everyone else does it differently. You have a set standards, SOPs, formal written procedures, and a formal written training syllabus that builds on um, skills. So start with basic skills and build from there. And I would argue that sometimes there may be multiple ways to do things, which is fine, but making sure to your point that the end outcome is very, very clear. If there's not, if there's multiple ways they can do it, because there's also ownership in allowing somebody to figure out the best way to accomplish a task on their own. However, and and in some situations, it's not going to be as 
loosey goosey and some it is. But the bottom line is you as the leader need to make sure they understand what is the final outcome we need. However you want to get there is fine, but I need this standard and this outcome with however you decide to do it. Here's how I do it. Joe's going to show you how he does it. And then you can decide for yourself as long as you reach that standard of outcome. If that works for you, fantastic. Right. Um, I've never seen a situation where you get consistent outcomes. You usually get inconsistent outcomes. So I'm a big proponent of there is a way to do it. There's maybe more than one right way to do it, but there's a way for us to do it. And, and there is a procedure for if somebody thinks they have a better way of testing and vetting that, confirming it's better before we roll that out for everybody. And then everybody changes to the new procedure. But if you want to have a consistent outcome, you have to have consistent input. It's just, you know, that's the engineer in me that's speaking and it's my life experience. And that life experience may be um, colored. I'm open to the fact based on my paradigm as an engineer. Well, it's centuries of experience, though. So there is some value to that, Dave. Decades, at least. <laughs> well, and, and I'm calling on my experience with my nine directors in when I worked for the gym chain. Um, where I had nine different regions and they all had a different way of running their regions, but we always got the results we needed. And so as long as they were getting the results within their region, however they wanted to run that worked for me. Sure. And yeah. And, and to your point there, each region probably has different um, cultural characteristics. Yes, which means, totally. Right. And, and because of that, there's going to be a different procedure to get because you because you the same input is going to get a different output because you have different customers. Exactly. Right. What you do in New York City is not going to work in Biloxi, Mississippi. Exactly. That's why yep. paste so, picante sauce is made in Texas. <laughs> New York City. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, but, but that's exactly the point. Based on the context that you're leading in, figuring out the best way, but your team needs to know either what is that SOP, what is that standard operating procedure, or what is that non-negotiable outcome and standard of outcome that we need to reach? And then we need to follow up on it. Sure. And I, I suspect within the region, those standards, that to, in other words, the reason they were able to consistently achieve that outcome in New York City, just I have no idea where your gyms were, right? Mm -hmm. But is because at a smaller level there, they had their own SOPs that they followed that was different maybe than Biloxi, Mississippi, but everybody in New York City followed the same SOP, whether it's how they greeted clients or what process they took them through on the sales process, right? Nobody, people didn't just make that up on their own. Right. They were, yeah. And they all had the similar expectation across the board. Right. Right. So we're just talking about, you know, size and scale of scope, right? You know, a global company like Nike sells things differently or Apple sells things differently in Ireland than they do here in the United States and sells things differently in San Francisco than they do in the heartland someplace in Indiana. Right. Exactly. So, all right. So we accountability, what you do is what you'll get, right? That was the mm -hmm. first piece. Have some formal training. So people know what to expect of them. And why. And why. Yeah, why is important in that training, in your SOPs, I'm a big believer in tying in your values, you know, right? Why we do this, 
right? And if they can be involved in the creation of those SOPs, you're going to get a whole lot more uh, compliance and and ownership as well. Yeah, if you well, if you don't have them to begin with, absolutely. Um, and it's certainly, and again, I said before, there's there's a procedure for changing procedures. You should have committees, or should there you go? I shouldn't say should. Um, can I do that? Can I should 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 not say should myself? You can do anything you want, Dave, but I think it's against your should rules. You so shouldn't. I shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, right, but it's. I, I invite you to consider that it's best practice is to have some sort of committee that gets together periodically to look at procedures and say how can we improve them? How do we vet suggestions? Have an open ability to do that, right? And a procedure to improve procedures. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I know it, it starts getting confusing. The pirate in me is saying, wow, that's way too much procedure, but you know, that's my pirate. Yeah. But even pirates, right. You know, <laughs> some of you are going to hide. We're going to put up the French flag. You're, you're going to be in the mast. You're going to swing across in the yard arm. You're going to have the knife in your mouth, right? You, you, you with the patch, you do this, right? There were procedures. Um, I promise you Fair. at least the ones that survived longer. And the process for changing the procedure was called mutiny. Yes, and there was a procedure for that too. First, capture the captain. Thanks. Anyway, keep going. Next, make him walk the plank. Um, <laughs> but uh, right, so so we, we we've, we've we've developed procedures. We've trained them on how to do that. We've set metrics, right, mm -hmm. that they can control. Because now what we're doing is we're creating, right, we've told them what we expect and how much we expect of them. We've created what I call the basement, right, or, or the foundation, right? This is the minimum acceptable standards. As long as they're performing at that level and we've shown them how to do it, right, people will become self-regulating. Right. Especially if we're following up and they know we're inspecting what we're expecting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If we do all that, we're going to create a culture. That's a minimum and that will create a culture of accountability. And... The other key piece here is as we're inspecting, we got to make sure not only that we're catching when it's not happening, but that we're rewarding and and sharing the successes when it is happening. Right. You know, we talked um, in a previous episode about having to have those difficult conversations. Right. And so that's how you get rid of behaviors you don't want repeated. But you also want to reinforce the behaviors you do want repeated. Huge, huge. And there should be that formal plan for rewarding and an informal plan for rewarding as well. So people know you're paying attention and when they're doing it right, they're being recognized and appreciated for that. Right. And so, you know, what Ann's talking about is having both, you know, what I call the Bravo Zulus with the attaboys, just, hey, Ann, you did a really good job coming up with a topic for our podcast today. I really like the way your mind thinks, right? It's really specific. I told her what I appreciated about her and, and, and you know, it's great because I have to do less work. Um, you know, I get the Tom Sawyer her, as it were, you know, and she'll, she'll do it again, right? And I'll get that behavior repeated. And then there's the formal ones, right? The employee, I have sitting on my desk. I know you folks can't see this, but I'm holding up for Ann to see this pen. And it says, Phone Systems Plus Employee of the Quarter, third quarter, 1995. Right? Formal recognition. You have some sort of formal recognition that you do periodically with criteria that people can aspire to. And I promise you, not only will they aspire to it, 
you'll be able to figure out who your go-getters are real fast. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up, Dave. I think we covered this one pretty well. All right. Well, I appreciate the question. It's a great question. If you have any more questions, let us know. We're happy to, to answer them. Also, subscribe um, and uh, pass this on to your friends if you're enjoying the podcast. Yeah, give them our info. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you then. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.